You are listening to the Mythical Jesus Podcast, taking the Christ of faith seriously. A podcast that dives into faith development, cognitive development, using Jesus as the framework for that. We dive deep into the Jesus of the New Testament, showing him as the preeminent example of development and what that development looks like. Buckle your seatbelts. Sit back, enjoy the ride. This is going to be a lot of fun because diving into the Jesus narrative has never been done like this before. You can visit our website at christoffaith.org. On the site, you will find tools, resources, documents to help you in your faith development and to better understand Jesus, the teacher, and his role in that. And now, on to what you've been waiting to hear. Welcome back to the Christ of Faith podcast. I'm your host, Bill Real. Last week, we talked about Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. And it's where Jesus goes into the synagogue and he sees a man with a deformed hand. And he immediately uh, attends to him in such a way that the Pharisees feel threatened. They feel threatened that here's this man and here's this and he's and here he goes again. He's going to do things that are going to make the people appreciate him, and it threatens our authority. It threatens our authority. And so Jesus, hearing or perceiving what is going on, um, asked this man with a deformed hand to come stand in front of the crowd, in front of the congregation at the synagogue. And in this interaction, first off, picture the man with a deformed hand. It's, it, there's probably some level of shame in standing up in front of everyone. And, but Jesus asked him to do that. And then, and then Jesus turns to his critics in Mark chapter 3, verse 4, and he says, Then he turned to his critics and asked, Does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath, or is it a day for doing evil? Now, keep in mind, the Pharisees within the New Testament always feel like they have trapped Jesus and painted him into a corner. And this happens in real life, too. This happens... This happens in our day-to-day life within our religious paradigms, but also at work. When we stand for right, when we stand for truth, and I don't mean it like, hey, I'm Superman and you're the villain. I mean, rather, when we are vulnerable, when we are forthright, when we are transparent, people will often, in their unhealthy mechanisms, try to paint us into a corner but the realization is that once you acknowledge like, oh, I'm vulnerable, I'm transparent, I'm forthright, it becomes really difficult to trap that person and paint them in a corner because they don't mind being not, not always as healthy as others expect them to be. So there's really never a corner that you're painted into. And so Jesus responds by essentially walking them into their own unhealthiness. You see, the Pharisees think they're smarter. The Pharisees think they are the authorities. The Pharisees think they know the rules as well as anyone. The Pharisees are a group of people who work to confound those who push against the system because the Pharisees are the system. And so, uh, Jesus says, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? You see, they confronted him with, you're about to do work. And if you work on the Sabbath, you have broken the law because they have these lines in the sand. 
But see, Jesus being vulnerable and transparent doesn't have those lines. But he uses their system against them. He says, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? He he continues, is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? So he's now walked them into a corner, even though they thought they had confounded him and walked him into a corner. And now they're having to look inward and say, "Uh uh-oh, he's asked us a question and the crowd is staring at us and the crowd is siding with him and he's asked a question for which either answer will cause the, the people to continue to see that we are short-sighted, that we don't grasp what is going on here. So they only have one option, which is to not say anything. And it says, but they wouldn't answer him. And that's just it. They wouldn't answer him. Because either answer, it, it turns on them. Either answer makes them look bad. And it says that Jesus, it says he looked around at them angrily and was deep, deeply saddened by their hard hearts. So I want to stop here and I want to say when you're in a religious system, the system sets the boundaries, the laws, the rules by which you are a member of that tribe. But at some point you break out of that mold You stop worrying about belonging and you start caring about your authenticity. And in in that process of having spent your life trying to belong, your group identity was way more important than your individual identity. But at some point you realize like that doesn't feel good anymore. And so you say like from here on out, I'm going to be authentic. And it's a process. You slowly move into it, letting go of one and grabbing the other in increasing and in decreasing quantities. But as you move in that process, you begin to realize like, oh, this tribe I belonged to, it still wants me to fit in. It still wants to shame me and marginalize me as a punishment, as a boundary maintenance when I don't fit, but I don't care anymore. And so when that tribe begins to punish you for not fitting in, when you hold that tribe accountable to its unhealthiness, when you point back at it and say, by all means, feel free to do that to me. But the reality is I'm speaking truth. And recognize here that when the tribe is not vulnerable, when the tribe's authorities are not vulnerable to their unhealthiness, Jesus himself, when he sees that lack of vulnerability, he is angry and he is sad. And when I talk to people who have had a faith shift, when they see for the first time, like, oh, my tribe, my leaders of my tribe, they deceived me. They betrayed me. They've lost my trust. They've hurt in some way my relationships. They've caused me trauma. They get angry and they get sad. And we look at that anger and sadness and we say, look at them. From inside the tribe, we say, look at them just another evidence of them being lost and fallen. But recognize that Jesus himself, why is he angry and sad? Look at the scripture. It's because he is frustrated with their lack of vulnerability. Like, let's just be vulnerable, damn it. Let's just listen to each other and let me share my point of view and let me back it up with the data, with the scriptures. But the Pharisees can't make space for that. 
they to main, to be and maintain their authority they have to impose the rules and the boundaries and the misinterpretations of the law and the scripture and so jesus becomes more of an outsider and his emotion comes through he's angry and sad and can we honor that to be such in these situations is to be like jesus and so jesus then after he is acknowledged that he's angry and sad by their hard hearts hard hearts from what from not being vulnerable he said to the man hold out your hand so the man held out his hand and it was restored now i want to stop here this man has a deformed hand it's on the sabbath and it's in the synagogue this man has likely lived years if not his whole life with this deformed hand it didn't just happen yesterday it's not an emergency to this man although this man probably wishes every day his hand was whole understand this and this was just pointed out to me yesterday by a friend as i was telling him about my preparation for this episode think about this the man with the deformed hand could not jesus have waited six more hours and done it on the morrow did he have to heal this man on the sabbath It's not like this man was dying right then. There was no urgency to this story. Jesus heals him on the Sabbath because Jesus wants to and wants to be defiant to the Pharisees and their boundary maintenance. Do you see that? Jesus could have waited six more hours. Jesus could have done this back at the man's home. But he wanted to give the Pharisees something in which to show their unhealthiness even further. He wanted to poke them. It's the only reason to do it. There's no urgency in the story other than Jesus says, you tell me I can't do that? Watch. Watch me. And so Jesus, in this act of defiance, heals this man in the synagogue, on the Sabbath. Jesus is not only angry and sad, and frustrated with their lack of vulnerability, but he is poking back with defiance. There is a tone here. You say I can't do that? Watch me. Then he says to the man, hold out your hand. And so the man held out his hand and it was restored. And at once it says, the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. I will end saying this, the moment you act in defiance against your religious tribe's authorities, they will look for a way to kill you physically or spiritually. That is what happens when you take that step. And yet it's that very step that's the step that Jesus took. So I simply end here saying that when you perceive your tribe, it can be your family, the Rotary Club, your religious congregation, it can be any group of people that are closely knit. When you perceive though that tribe doing boundary maintenance and shaming you for being less than, I simply say that recognize that Jesus was permitted himself to be angry and to be sad. To be such is to be human. And to recognize that when Jesus poked back, and he did poke back, and recognize the ways in which he did that, by showing truth, by imposing that we do the right thing, 
and we hold the unhealthiness and those who hold it accountable. That Jesus himself then is threatened. His very life in that day and most of the time in our day, it is something less, but it still hurts and it still sucks that those we love, who we are just trying to help be vulnerable, seek to destroy us. But such is the path of Jesus. Until next time, this is the Mythical Jesus Podcast on ChristofFaith.org. See you then. Come thou fount of every blessing Tune my heart to sing thy grace Streams of mercy never ceasing